Hello and welcome to the Blast from Our Past podcast. We're the podcast that gives you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, fan castings, album reviews, and now we're also going to start bringing you top tens because fuck it. <laughs> we're just trying to give you more content. All the content. All the content, baby. And today we have got us a fun top ten list that's actually going to kind of fall in line with our music album reviews a little bit. Mm-hmm. We are going to do a top 10 grunge songs. I'm excited about this. Yes. This uh, right in my wheelhouse. If you guys listened to our Nirvana episode, uh, or even actually our country episode, we, we both kind of talked about grunge a little bit in those episodes. Mm-hmm. Grunge is a music genre that is near and dear to both of our hearts. Uh, it's, it's something that we obviously... You know, we strapped on our flannel, we put on our jeans, we pretended we were from Seattle, and we just fell into that scene, and we very much enjoyed grunge in the early, even mid, even late 90s, and even to today, we still Mm -hmm. listen to grunge pretty often. I have a pretty kick-ass grunge mix on my my iTunes, and I play it pretty freaking often. Yeah. <laughs> so, we are going to count down backwards from 10 to 1 to our favorite grunge song. Now, we have a couple stipulations here. Yes. And the main stipulation is you can only choose one song per band. Yeah. It because we have a you know, we all have our favorites mm-hmm. and it would just seem you know, it would be unfair because most of my list would probably be the same two or three bands. Yeah. Yeah. Very similar to me. Yeah. So we wanted to make sure we got a, a mix of bands in there because there are a lot of worthy grunge bands. And so pretty much the way I attacked it is I I kind of started by picking, I just did a list of grunge bands mm-hmm. and then I picked, all right, what is my favorite song? Right. By that grunge band. Right. And then from that list, then I listed my top 10. And so that's kind of how I congregated my list. Of, yeah. yeah. When I first did it, uh, I don't know, I, I was thinking top 10 as, like, as as in what I thought was kind of like their importance. Mm. And so I ended up picking, my first list was almost all sort of radio hits from, from each band. And then kind of... Feeling like where did I feel like they were important? And then when you when yeah. I asked you, I was like, "Well, what are you using?" He's like, "Well, I use some deep cuts." I'm like, "Okay, well, I'm just going to use exactly. my favorites." Exactly, John. This is a grunge. You can't sell out, man. <laughs> okay, you've got to be the deep, do the deep cuts, and you have to like, you know, yeah, stick it to the man. Uh, that being said, actually, almost all of mine I think are are singles. <laughs> um, mm, Mine is a mix. Okay. I, mine's mostly all singles, but mainly because, yeah. I mean, the singles are the ones you hear most often. Right. And even though I do like some other deep cuts, um, these are the songs that, you know, I, I tend to go back to more and more anyway. So. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, we're going to do back and forth, kind of like our last top 10 list, what we did with the comic book heroes and comic book villains. Uh, we're going to go back and forth and uh, you guys will, you will. We'll talk about pretty much each song, and there's really, you know, not too much debate, I guess. Right. You know, I, you know it's your top ten. It's your favorite list. It's, right. I'm not going to make fun of you, but pretty much I think it's just going to be me, 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 it's pretty much going to be me going, oh, fuck, that's awesome. That's a great song every <laughs> single time. So this is just like a circle jerk, just fucking, you know, oh, 
It's, it's a it's a happy this is a happy nostalgia list yes. episode. And then we're gonna do something at the end, which is kind of in line with what we do during our movie reviews, and we're gonna do a fan casting. But we're going to fan cast our ultimate grunge band. Very excited about that. The, the, once I got my list, I pretty much immediately texted John. I was like, fuck, I wish this band could happen, <laughs> but it'll never be. But right. I'm like, I want this band. Unfortunately, uh, most of the lead singers and most of these, a lot of these bands are dead. Yeah. So normally we just use living actors for, for that one. But for this one, we're, you know, we're making a special case. And it's sort of like, it's the fantasy, you know, if you could bring someone back from the dead and mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. All right. Well... Let's get started with number 10. Uh, we'll just go, we'll go me, then you, then me, then you each, okay. each time. I'm going to start us off with uh, a band who, this one particular song gets a good bit of play, but I feel like the band itself uh, isn't isn't nearly as huge, obviously isn't nearly as huge as some of the other ones that I've got on my list, but this song, Tomorrow by Silverchair, is, no, is my number 10 and it's a hell of a song. Good song to me. I also I, it takes some time to kick it into gear, mm-hmm. but when it does, it's just like it's very satisfying. Yeah, it seems like the it's kind of funny because the song seems like it's kind of in like three parts almost, mm-hmm. and it kind of builds to it. The song did not make my list, oh. but it was in sort of my honorable mentions contention. Okay, yeah, yeah, I got a few of those that might surprise people uh, on the on my honorable mentions. I think, um, but it's a very good song. Most a lot of people don't remember. Well. Those of us who were old enough probably remember, but that band actually came out of Australia. Really? Yes. I had no idea they were an Australian band. Yeah, they were an Australian band, and when they were, they <clears throat> recorded this album when they were like 16 or something. Oh, wow. Yeah, they were very young. Wow, very cool. It's one of the, you know what, it's one of, it's one of those songs that I actually didn't like when I was a kid, but as I've gotten older, mm-hmm. I have grown to enjoy it more for what it is. Yeah, yeah, it's solid. All right, John, what about your number 10? My number 10 will be very well known. To anyone who played, I believe, the very first Guitar Hero game. Because it was one of the first songs you had to play when you played that game. On the orig- I believe it was on the original Xbox. Make up your mind. Decide to walk with me. Around the lake tonight. Around the lake tonight.
that of course was possum kingdom by the toadies yeah that's a damn good song yeah it's a lot of fun yeah it's actually a song that i wasn't sure if it really fit into grunge because like i was trying to do some research to make sure yeah things some some people said like no that's post grunge came out in 94 grunge is that was still grunge time yeah but like there to me I always fit that song as a grunge one. So I think yeah. I think it deserves to be on the list. So yeah, I think that's a solid choice. I, I definitely like it's kind of a one hit wonder for me. I don't I don't know any other Toady song. No. But yeah, but that's a solid one. There's a couple of these on here who are kind of one hit wonders mm-hmm. as far as like radio hits go. Yeah. So yeah, no, I definitely I think that's a great choice. Cool. All right, moving on to number nine. All right, I'm going with uh, a band that I almost kind of forgot when I was first doing my initial pass. This band didn't even make my list. They are grunge, but I just kind of like, I, I keep forgetting about them. They're a band that I always forget about. Even though the lead singer dated Gwen Stefani for a long time, uh, you, I just kind of forgot that Bush was a band, you know? <laughs> I know we've had two Bush presidents, uh, and there's a Bush outside, multiple Bushes outside of my apartment complex. But this Bush is a band, and they were grunge from the United Kingdom. Yes. So uh, I guess my top, my first two are outside of the U.S. Right. Um, but I went with definitely my favorite Bush song. They've got some really good ones. Like Glycerine is awesome. Machine Head is awesome. Mm-hmm. Come Down is awesome. But my favorite Bush song is Everything Zen. And they hit me at number nine. no sex in your violence john no sex in your violence funny enough there's a lot of sex in my violence <laughs> oh that sounds really bad oh that sounds so rapey i'm sorry i take that back <laughs> but that doesn't negate how much i enjoy that song uh i really really enjoy everything zen uh for some reason like it's a song that it kind of like it takes me for a ride where it's just like you know it's you get you get hard at some moment and then you kind of like kind of go low. there's no sex in your violence there's no sex in... and you're kind of like you're building you're like oh man he's gonna fucking explode and then he fucking explodes and then it's like yeah that's a good song <laughs> that's just that's probably the most eloquent way i've ever heard anyone describe that song yeah um it yeah it's a good song it's not my favorite song on that album Probably oh, okay. Machine Head is, okay. is my favorite one on the album. Yeah. Um, oddly enough, Bush didn't make my list either. <laughs> okay. All right. We de- we're definitely going to have some different lists. <laughs> I don't know. I kind of considered them, but I, I don't know. I just thought there were a lot of other better songs that are the ones, the ones off that album. Yeah. Um, Your mom's better song off that album. <laughs> Got you good, you fucker. <laughs> I'm not even going to respond to that. <laughs> I hope our mother's not listening to this. <laughs> she doesn't. Yeah. She doesn't give a shit about our podcast. 
Thanks, Mom. We love that you, you support us. <laughs> so, so grungy. Thanks, Mom. Ugh. I'm going to go in my room and listen to grunge now. Actually, that works really well. <laughs> uh, okay. All right. So my number nine is a... I don't think you have this song, but you definitely have this band, and you probably have this band a lot higher than I have it. Oh, uh, okay. And this, yeah, this is a band, I can I already assume <laughs> this is a band that we've had much debate about uh, before. Possibly. Yeah. And I think my favorite song of theirs is not your favorite song. It's probably the other radio hit that they had, but the one that I picked was from Temple of the Dog, was Say Hello to Heaven. Eddie Vedder pretending to be Chris Cornell <laughs> right. singing. I mean, Eddie Vedder was only on one song, right? Uh, and it's not that one, right? But uh, yeah, that, that's a good song. That's that, that's not, that's maybe like my fourth favorite song on that album. Really, it's not even yeah at the top. Oh, that's my favorite one. I also saw. I was lucky enough to have seen uh, Chris Cornell in some fashion three times mm-hmm. in my life live. I saw them once. I saw, um, well, I don't, and we'll get to Soundgarden, but mm-hmm. I saw Soundgarden twice. And I saw him do a solo tour, and on the solo tour, he played everything. Oh. He played Soundgarden, he played Audio Slave, he played his solo stuff, he played Temple of the Dog, yeah. and he came out and he played that song by himself, so that I say mm-hmm. hello to heaven. Um, and even though it was clear that he was completely inebriated the entire performance, <laughs> because the audience knew his lyrics to most of his songs better than he did, <laughs> that one was still actually a really great performance and and that song has always kind of stuck with me and it's mm-hmm. i mean it's a sad song the whole album is is kind of sad because it's dedicated to the to the uh death of um the lead singer from mother love bone yeah yeah so mine that's my number nine okay uh yeah i definitely like that band they're absolutely gonna reappear on <laughs> on, on one of our top tens well i guess it's gonna be mine because right. we're only doing one band for a list so we know we're gonna hear another temple of the dog but Say Hello to Heaven is a very, it's an emotional song um, where, yeah, like there's, they've, it's an emotional album mm-hmm. because as you said, um, it's based off of, you know, it's, it's almost like a super group coming together for the death of Chris Cornell's roommate and good friend. Blah. We'll talk, we'll talk about them more. Yeah. <laughs> very likely, I'll say, you know, we'll bring them up later. Uh, okay. Honestly, this couldn't have been a more perfect transition because... My next song is actually by Mother Lovebone. Ah. And they are not... So this is, I guess, one of the deep cuts, maybe the only deep cut on my entire list. Mm -hmm. But I like Mother Lovebone quite a bit. And they have some good songs. They did have have an album that came out. I think it was after Andrew Wood died. They have some really good songs on there. Holy Roller is really good. Crown of Thorns is maybe the most most well-known. Yeah. And it's it's definitely one of the more emotional ones on that album. Right. But for me, without question, my favorite song uh, by Mother Love Bone is This Is Shangri-La.
This song, oh God, it makes me feel good. <laughs> I really, really like this to Shangri-La. Uh, the way I see Mother Love Bone, and particularly the way I see this song, like Mother Love Bone was starting to get pretty good, um, and particularly Andrew Wood, the way he sang wasn't strictly grunge. It wasn't like fully grunge yet. It was almost, it was it was an in-between between hair metal. Yes. It was, he, I get a lot of Guns N' Roses out of Andrew Wood, like you can see that they were a kind of like that that hair metal, like you know that that late style rock, and then that transition. They were they were like a they were kind of like that middle step between yeah. that late eighties hair metal into grunge, and I think I think that's what I enjoy so much about it because it, it's got it's fun. Yeah, well, and that that was actually a big transition. Um, I believe the band Alice in Chains originally mm. started before they became Alice in Chains started as a hair metal band, mm. um, and that, I think that a lot of these guys kind of got into that music because it was big, and then they started to develop their own sound, and the whole thing started to morph. So yeah. by the time we got to sort of eighty eight, eighty nine, and ninety, it had morphed into what we now know as grunge, mm-hmm. and so it's it's not that uh, uncommon. Um, if I were to pick a Mother Love Bone song, which um, they didn't make this list. <laughs> my top, my eight, nine, and ten didn't make your list no, at all. But they definitely made my honorable mentions. Uh, but my favorite one there is uh, Star Dog Champion. Star Dog Champion is another good, yeah. That's, that, that's, that song is definitely on my grunge playlist. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it's not my not my favorite by them, obviously. But yeah, good choice. Good cool. stuff. I mean, I've said good choice to my own good choice. So my, my eight was a good choice. How about John's eighth? Is it a good choice? We'll see. My uh, number eight is from a band that was from the Seattle area, Northwest Washington, and is often, was often cited by Kurt Cobain as one of his influences. Uh, even though they kind of played around the same time, uh, the band had been around, was around longer than Nirvana was, and he kind of looked up to these guys. And they only really had one radio hit. It's another kind of one-hit wonder. But uh, do you want to take a guess as to what who it is? I mean, I guess Green River. No. Tad? No. Fuck, I don't know. All right. Or House and Chains? Oh. 
That was Nearly Lost You by The Screaming Trees. That's right, The Screaming Trees. Okay, yes. And I did think about that song, and I, and I, because I, I did recognize it. I listened to it, and then I was like, nah, that's not making my list. <laughs> but yeah, it's, I mean, it's a, a very influential grunge song. Like, that's a, yes. yeah, like Screaming Trees are a very, like, they're grunge band, and they're not one that a lot of people think of. No, I mean, they were, you know, they were most of those. And a lot of people, um, they're not popular, that's for sure. No, they weren't, they weren't some of the more popular ones. Um, they, they were more popular in the area and grunge was kind of an anomaly because it came out of a specific area mostly. And the reason was it's because bands weren't going up there. Mm. All these popular bands were not going up to Seattle for, because I guess at the time, you know, late eighties, mid to late eighties, it wasn't profitable to take the band up there. So they, no one was going up to that whole area. So these kids weren't seeing these bands. So they were creating their own music and going to see each other. And that's where this sort of style and the popularity sort of spawned out of. I don't know if we'll ever have another grunge. We'll never have another grunge uh, now that we have the internet and sort of global technology and that sort of thing. You know, now we have SoundCloud. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Everybody who makes something in their mu- in their mother's basement or garage can just... Send it out on SoundCloud and get heard. You mean like us? Yeah. <laughs> hey, like our <laughs> shitty little podcast. <laughs> so yeah, that was my number eight. Okay. Yeah, that's a good song. Influential song. You know, influential band, I would say. Yeah. That's solid. They didn't make my list, but I think it's... I don't dislike your opinions. I don't I don't dislike you because I don't agree with your opinions. How about that, John? <laughs> okay. Um, all right. I my Let's move on to number seven. Yeah. And my number seven band is... Honestly, a band I don't think about when I think of grunge. They're the word's not transcended grunge, but they've kind of grown past it. Partly because they are definitely more experimental than a lot of other grunge artists, and their sound, especially the lead singer, took things into directions that went past grunge. But at the beginning, they definitely felt grunge, and they were part of the scene, and they were, I think, from Seattle area as well. Uh, I went with Smashing Pumpkins. Uh-huh. Now, picking your Smashing Pumpkins bag, one, I, I'm not going to pick a Smashing Pumpkins song from much later later on in, in like their career that's not really grunge anymore, but I picked ones from a, an early-ish album, not like, not I think it was, maybe it's an album even from 96, I can't remember, uh, but that's kind of there. The sound, though, to me, still fits it, mm-hmm. um, and there are some good songs, like, I almost went with Cherub Rock. That's a definite kind of like a grunge yeah. one. But my favorite one that I still think fits the genre is Bullet with Butterfly Wings. The world is a vampire. Sent to drain. Secret destroyers. Hold you up to the flames. And why do all my rage i'm still just a rat in a cage um that song i mean they billy corgan's got a really good scream in that in that, in that song um and i just first of all i actually have to make a correction they were actually from chicago okay okay my bad that's okay um 
I just saw them in concert about a month ago. No, no, no. I'm sorry. It was way back in August. Okay. It feels like it was a month ago. Yeah. And it was it was supposed to be sort of a, a getting the original band back together, but they didn't end up getting uh, Darcy, the bass player, to come back. Mm-hmm. And there's all kinds of drama as to why or why not that happened. <laughs> um, but James Eha did come back and play guitar, and Jimmy Chamberlain came back and played drums. It was one of the most interesting concerts I've ever been to. First of all, because it was about three and a half hours long. Oh, well. That okay. was just the Smashing Pumpkins. Jeez. There was no opening act. It was just them. <laughs> Billy Corgan was a little weird. <laughs> yeah, he's gotten weirder and weirder, I yeah. think, every year. Some of it was a little weird, but they sounded great. His voice sounded great. Nice. Um, they played a lot. Like, they played a good number of songs off of both Siamese Dream and Melancholy Infinite Sadness. Like, like deep cuts. Hmm. That's, which is why the concert was so long. I mean, if you were a... a Die Hard Smashing Pumpkins fan, this would have been great because they probably played songs that they hadn't played live in years, if hardly at all. Mm-hmm. You know, since whenever out al- whatever album they had released had come out. Um, if you were just sort of a, a, a passing fan who knew the hits, which largely was me, mm-hmm. uh, you got a little tired. <laughs> no, yeah, but the, the good thing was the good thing was is is I wasn't on an open floor. I was there was I was in a seat. So I would stand for the songs I knew, and I'd just sit down and chill out for the songs I didn't. Yeah. So it worked out fine. Yeah. I enjoyed it. You know, I mean, live music is great no matter what it is. I try to enjoy live music anywhere I happen upon it. Mm-hmm. Um, you will definitely see this band again. Okay. Uh, on this list. Uh, I'm imagining probably the big four or five grunge bands are going to be on the list. Yeah. No matter what. But not this song. Okay. All right. So what about your number seven? Okay, my number seven might actually not be a song you're familiar with. I don't actually know, because I don't think it's a song we've ever talked about. The band itself is kind of, like, the farther along they got, they kind of started becoming more alternative and Mm post-grunge. But the first album definitely fits the grunge. Um, And if honestly, if you weren't around in in the mid-90s and early 90s, you probably didn't hear this song. Because I don't know if how often it gets played on any kind of radio, even, I guess, now oldie stations, now that we're old. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is the song Plowed by the band Spun. Yeah, I, I know that song. I like that song. Okay. I forgot, but I didn't really think of that as grunge, I guess. No, it's definitely grunge. Okay. Yeah, so that's my number seven. That's a solid ass song. Like I, for some reason, Sponge didn't come to me as a mm-hmm. as a grunge band sitting in this fitting in this list. But 
I like that song a lot. They have another song, Molly, that I like a lot too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, yes. Pl- Plowed is probably the one that fits better on this it's list. A, it's a fun song. It's yeah. it's it's upbeat. And it's it's driving, and I don't know. It gets me gets me up and moving, and excited when yeah. I hear it. So that's a good one. That's a good one. All right, I I, I like. That. I'm surprised and happy with that choice. <laughs> yeah. All right, number six. I think my number six might surprise you. Not that's okay because I think my number six will also surprise you. <laughs> not because not because you'll be surprised that this song is on my list or this band is on my list, but you might be surprised that this band is number six on my list. Now the way that the way I put in my head was I made this a, my favorite grunge song list, not my favorite grunge band. So like, you know, I might have, you know, my favorite song from a band might be only number six on this list, but I, they have like a lot of ones, like they have so many. So I really love that band a lot more than I like a one hit wonder might hit hit higher on this list for me, which it did. Okay. If that makes sense. Yes. Okay. So, um, this is a band that we've seen together. This is a band that has so many hits or they're not, they're not hits. They have so many songs that, you know, mm-hmm. and I remember when we went and saw them out in prim Nevada, they Scott Weiland rest his soul. Yeah. <laughs> Another one taken too fucking early. Um, so obviously I'm talking about stone temple pilots here. Yeah fantastic band if you haven't listened to stone temple pilots in a while go back and check out like their certain songs and you just i you forget how many Mm -hmm. good songs they have and the thing is yeah there's certain one hit wonders that i like better than that specific song but like you know if we're listing the band stone temple pilots would be higher than six for me but this song i'm giving it a six uh, I'm giving it maybe their most well-known song. Maybe it's their one of their top three. Yeah. Maybe Interstate Love Song is their is their highest, and that's a damn good song. Yeah. But for me, Plush. I yeah. fucking love Plush, and so. Uh, but I love so many of their songs. I almost I almost went with Sin, which is a great song from their their album Core. I almost went with Big Empty, which is another great song. Uh, and I was really really kind of back and forth between those four, but I ended up on Plush, and I'm happy with it. And so my number six. Stone Temple Pilots Plush. pisses me off that you know they, they they couldn't make it work they couldn't make it work they lasted for a good while though they did and on and off and, and you know very publicized problems that they had yeah mostly well, with wyland with drug problems i was like mostly with heroin yeah yes. <laughs> from wyland yeah. uh, but they are so good and like so many of their albums are solid and i go back and listen to them even like some of their later stuff mm-hmm. and i'm just like oh shit that's a good song that's a good song yeah and like i remember when i was younger uh their album four is it called four? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're album four. Um, I remember being like, "Oh, I don't think this one's as good as others." I go back and listen to it now. I'm like, "Fuck!" There's a lot of stuff on there I really yeah. like. 
I find it, that happens a lot, especially with if it's a band that I really liked, they came up with a new album, mm-hmm. doesn't sound good, I give it time, I go back to it, yeah. you'll find gems in there. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, that's a, there's so many gems with STP. Um, so that's, that's, yeah. that's, that's, that's uh, and I don't think this is a spoiler. Stone Temple Pilots definitely made my list different song, mm. but I can tell you this. I spent probably that band was, it was the hardest one to pick yeah. a, a, you know, a favorite off of. Definitely. So, uh, and I, I think I picked one that might be my favorite, but it, it's, <laughs> I, I think I had to pick one that represented yeah. my favorite from them because there were so many good ones, yes. you know, um, uh, purple is it purple. That's the album. Yeah. Purple is good from beginning to end. Yes. And that's one that we'll eventually do an album review of because yeah. I love every song on that well, album. Yeah, I, I'm. You can say that same thing from their first three. Yes. Like Core and then pur- and Purple and Tiny Music. Yes. All, all three of those albums have fan t- are fantastic from top to bottom. Yeah. It's Agreed. Pretty, it's ridiculous. Agreed. Uh, for a second there, I actually thought you were going to name the same band that I put at number six because mm. it might be surprising that this band is number six. But it's again, it's just because the other songs that I put, I just like a little bit better mm-hmm. than okay. sort of my favorite from this band. This one's definitely a deep cut. So the band is Nirvana. Okay. But this is definitely not one that was ever played on the radio. And it wasn't even off of their biggest album. And I don't know what it is that draws me to this song, but I've always loved this song. It was a small little sort of, it feels like a, just an album filler. And it came off of their third studio album, which was In Utero. And I don't know, I just, it's fun, it's driving. I just really like it. It's not particularly long, but it's fun. And I don't know how many times I have to say it's fun, but it's fun. <laughs> uh, and I went with the song Very Ape. That's definitely a deep cut. I never would I have thought Very Ape is going to make this list mm-hmm. interesting. It's not a bad choice. The thing that I think is funny enough, Nirvana didn't make my list at all. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, I like Nirvana, and they're a, similar enough. Like, the way that I... Exactly how you put it. The way I approached this... Yeah. Like, I... My favorite Nirvana song... And there's a lot of good Nirvana songs out yeah. there. But I like other ones just a little bit better. Yeah. Like, because... I think Nirvana yeah. was definitely more my band yes. than it ever was your band. Yeah, and they're yeah they're good. I for me though my favorite is probably Heart Heart Shape Box by Nirvana. Oh really? It's from same album. Huh. But that, that was the one that I picked when I went through the grunge bands. I picked Heart Shape Box, and then when I listened to that one to compare it to everything else, I was like, no, this is like a, an eleven or twelve. So it didn't hit my top ten. But interesting choice of Very Ape. Uh, I, I like that you went you went something deep with that. It's just uh, it's just been a, a song that I've always loved going back to, and I always love listening to. It's not particularly long; it's close to two minutes or just over two minutes or something like that. But it's driving, and it's uh, I don't know, it gets me excited to uh-huh. listen to it. Cool. All right, so talking about excitement, I think my pick at number five is a song that is definitely exciting. It's a song that like 
I don't know. Yes, it's pretty much actually it starts off my grunge mix because I do sometimes like, you know, I don't always just put it on random. Right. Uh, and so this song, I think, is a great start to an album. I don't even know if it started off their album. I think it did, though. Um, but we'll find out. Mm-hmm. It's an amazing song. And I will say I almost went with this other song that they did, Wood, which is a great song. Mm-hmm. But I went with Man in the Box by Alice in Chains. Fantastic! This is my number five. Great song, and it for some reason, man in the box, just like it gets me going. Yeah, and I, I think it gets everybody going. Right. So, Great vocals, great everything. Mm-hmm. Like that that start off that just dun dun dun. It's like like it's like oh oh yeah, that gets me going. Like I'm I'm into it. I yeah. love I love that <clears throat> that opening lick that that you just sung. Um, it's a I'm gonna kind of get musical nerd on you with mm-hmm. this. It's a specific interval because I've played the part before, played mm-hmm. the guitar part. It's a specific interval called a, a minor seventh, and it's a very dissonant interval. So it's it's sort of. Could you not, explain what dissonant means? Because I'm sure I know, but maybe someone else doesn't. <laughs> well, a dissonant means sort of like like clashing okay. sounds. Yes. So, um, uh, a minor seventh is sort of two notes away from being a perfect octave, and a perfect octave is the same note higher or mm-hmm. lower. So it's it's just off. So it creates this dissonant sound, and that's what I like about it. Mm-hmm. It's not you know it could be very easy just to go with a power chord right there. But that that would have been like a hair metal thing to do. Yeah. And they went with this. They went with a dissonant sound, and that is what makes me love that. First of all, that's the song that I think put them on the map, and yeah. it's probably their most important song. Yeah. So I'm not surprised that you picked that one, and it's a great choice. Right, uh, thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> what are we on? Number five. Number five. All right. Number five is possibly going to surprise you only because this song is from the. Okay. So this band. The song that I picked did not come off of my favorite album from this band. So it's the only song off this album that I particularly like. Uh, This band was definitely more your band than mine. I came to them later. Mm -hmm. So I'm talking about Pearl Jam. Mm -hmm. Um, But for me, the song that I go back to all the time that I love is actually Better Man. Oh, very very slow, very good song. Yeah. So my number five is Better Man by Pearl Jam. Watching the clock, it's four o'clock, it's got to stop. Tell him, take no more. She practices her speech as he opens the door. She rolls over, pretends to sleep as he looks her
Yeah, he gets that nice pickup, like yeah. you know, middle middle of the song or a little bit later. I will give this to Eddie Vedder. He tells good stories in mm-hmm. his music. I mean, it, very famously, he got the job uh, for what became Pearl Jam because um, he wrote the lyrics. To, they sent him three songs that eventually became, um, I believe, it was Black once, and there was another one, and I can't remember. It's not one of their hits. Um, but he basically wrote like a three-song opera mm. with a story overarching all three of those songs, and that's kind of what got him the job. Nice. So you know what, uh, Pearl Jam's never been necessarily my favorite band, but I love this song. Yeah, it's so good. Better Man is a great song. Uh, yeah, it's one that I can listen to almost at any time. Mm-hmm. Like it's especially because it you get you get like that nice, you know, like a. A somber, sadder kind of song at the beginning, and then it kind of picks up, yeah. And it's just like, yeah, it, it takes you in a, a lot of different places, and so I think that's a, that's a fantastic choice. Cool. We're at number four, our top four, mm-hmm. and this one will probably surprise you. Uh, the band you just talked about, Pearl Jam, mm-hmm. made my number four, but okay. four top four is a pretty damn good, yeah. Uh, I like Pearl Jam a lot, and they they are another band in my opinion and not even not my opinion in fact that have kind of transcended the genre they've they've kept going i feel like they've become the new grateful dead <laughs> they've yeah. sort of they've become especially in live performances yeah. they've become this live presence especially if you know anything about sort of the their culture and their history and stuff and um, you play huge live shows now all the time. And yeah, people follow them around. It's Tons crazy. of live shows, and they, what I do like, they've kept like the the fuck the man mentality. You know, they 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 did a whole thing where they they, went they against, put out they went against you know, like their record label. Master. They went against Ticketmaster. Uh, they did a whole thing where they put out just tons of their live albums for much cheaper than like you know the studio albums mm-hmm. and whatnot. And so you could listen to like tons of their shows and they are they're like a they're a top tier live band right now mm-hmm. and they have been for a while and they keep putting out good stuff like i really do like their 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 the sound that they keep sending out and so um yeah pearl jam is you know going down as you know one of these last like you know of these last almost 30 years mm-hmm. they've been able to last and i think it's for a good reason now with pearl jam they've got so many good songs and i really do like your choice of Better Man. Um, I almost, for my pick, I almost went with Black. It's a great mm, song. That's a great song, too. Great song. But the one, and it's maybe the most cliche, but the way you put it before is how Eddie Vedder, tell, Eddie Vedder tells a story. And there is a story in Jeremy mm-hmm. that is dark and powerful. But in the way that song, and that, and also probably partly because of the music video. You can't get that music video out of my head. Yeah. And I, everything about that song, Jeremy, I just, I fucking love. And so I'm very, very happy to put Jeremy as my number four. At home and
great song, man. I I don't I can't tell you how many times like I sing to myself, King Jeremy the Wicked, a rude his world, and Jeremy spoken. Like I I just that's a song I sing to myself <laughs> a lot. Mm-hmm. So and based on a real event. Yeah. Um which I think would have given the band less problems if they had not named the song after the actual kid who killed himself in the middle of a classroom. Yeah. Um, but it was a, it had a real thing that actually happened in Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a kid, Jeremy, brought a gun to school, stood up in the middle of the class, and, sure. and shot himself. Yeah. Um, and uh, the parents of the child have been very vocal. As the, they were not happy about, about it all. And, it, and you can see their point. However, it's a powerful song. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think brings, especially for that time when mm-hmm. we didn't talk about bullying yeah. as much yeah. and stuff like that or mental health issues, you know, nobody thought about that shit in the early yeah. 90s. It kind of brought that forward. It did. And so, you know, some people will see that and see, oh, well, he was just a freak. But some people will see that and say, oh, there are problems. We need yeah. to address this. Yeah, um, and it's a great song, and and I'll admit my original list that I put together, uh, I put Jer- Jeremy as my Pearl Jam song, mm-hmm. and and a little bit higher too, because mm-hmm. it's it was an important song. Yeah, important. And, but then you shifted your mentality. Well, yeah, because then I shifted my ta- my mentality on the list, and and maybe at the end I'll kind of give you what my original list was, just for fun. Uh, one thing that I thought always was interesting was the way they edited that music video. Mm-hmm. Now this was because of I think either executive or producer issues right. they they shot the music video to make it you know very evident that jeremy killed himself but the either the producers or executives or whatever didn't like that and so they you know they, they thought that was too sad and so they wanted to edit out some of those parts the only problem was when they edited some of that off when they cut some of those those shots uh-huh. it made it seem like jeremy was shooting everyone else in the class <laughs> right. that's what i thought i don't know if you when i watch that music video even now i watch it and you know even though i know the real story right you watch, if you're just watching it it looks like jeremy's shooting everyone else in the class yeah if you're not listening to the words yes. of the song while the video is going on you can totally get that impression yeah and i think i definitely got that impression when i first watched oh it. yeah but yeah so uh my number four uh, was from a band that you already mentioned from the same album that you already mentioned but a different song. Um, I think in any other list, this band might be a little bit lower. But this song is just, it just kicks me into gear every time I hear it. Um, it was awesome and fun to, to hear them play it live. Um, and it was uh, Smashing Pumpkins from the same album, Melancholy mm-hmm. Sadness. But I always loved the song Zero. That's, yeah, that's a good one. That song just like it revs me up every time I hear it. Yeah, um, it's very, it's very, you know, 
it's, it's, you know, moderate tempo. It's not too fast. It's not too slow. The heavy guitar with the harmonics that he's playing, just, I don't know, there's just... It's just fun to listen to. I really like it. It is. It's, it, it, for me, it was between Bullet with Butterfly, Cherub Rock, and Zero. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, that's a Zero is a really good choice. Strong, strong choice. Yeah. All right. Um, now we're into our top three, top three grunge songs of all time. I know everybody was, you know, they've probably been so curious. What is Adam's favorite top three? <laughs> well, I'm going to tell you, people. <laughs> and we're going to start it off with a band you've already mentioned. And a song you've already mentioned. Okay. So this is our first. This is our first double up. Like our first, uh, the same song. Yes. Hit the list. So um, you might be surprised that this one is so high on my list because it was not low. I mean, a top ten is still pretty good, but it was your number ten, and it's oh. a one hit wonder. Mm-hmm. But this song, I just whatever it is about. I mean, this the the Toadies are not a band that would ever hit my top. Even maybe my top 20 grunge favorite songs right. or favorite bands. Right. But for some reason, this song, Possum Kingdom, man, I fucking love Possum Kingdom. Yeah, it's uh, it's just a fun, good song for me. It, it's almost, it's almost like a feel good song. I don't know how to mm-hmm. put it, but it's it's more on the poppy end of like the grunge feels. Yeah, and so maybe that's why a lot of people I don't think tied in with grunge, and they kind of call it the post grunge. I, I was so I tried to do some research mm-hmm. while I was doing this, and I looked up like, okay, give me a list of grunge bands. Right. And so they had so I looked on like Wikipedia's list of grunge bands and like started with that and I was like, well, there's some other songs I associate with grunge. Right. And there's some other bands that were on that list. Like they put things like Our Lady Peace on that list and I'm like, that's no, not grunge. That's not grunge. <laughs> like I'm sorry, I love Our Lady Peace. Yes. And that they they'll probably have an album and an album review eventually because we both enjoyed them when we were younger. Mm-hmm. But they are alt rock. Like they are alternative rock. They are definitely past grunge. Even their first album no grunge to yeah. me. Um, but like, this is, for me, po- this song is kind of like on the transition out of grunge, like kind of like towards that style, mm-hmm. but it's not there yet and it's still kind of holding on. I, I put it, it's in my grunge lists and that kind of stuff. So, but I, I'm a big fan of Possum Kingdom. So mm-hmm. that's that's our first full, you know, repeat song. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, my number three is my Stone Temple Pilot song. Hell of a time picking one. Mm-hmm. I mean, there were there's so many good songs. I mean, even even, I mean, shit. I mean, listen to this. You know, off their their first, off of core. You know, dead and bloated, sex type thing, wicked uh. guard. Like the first four or five songs off of core, are just awesome. You know, plush creep, and then off of purple. You know, you have Vaseline, interstate love song, um, big empty. Uh, one of my favorite songs actually is uh, kind of a deeper cut called Still Remains. But mm. I decided to go with this other song. I don't know, maybe it was because it was more upbeat than Still Remains. I don't know, I just, I really like it. I have, it's always been one that I've gone back to, and that is the song Army Ants. <laughs>
that's definitely a deep, more deep cut choice. Yeah, that's a good song though. Yeah, I mean, because there's so many. There's there's an unstoppable amount of good songs from STP. Yeah, especially on that album. Yeah, Purple just from top to bottom is is great. Yeah. So yeah, that's my number three. No, well, yeah. get some excitement, John. Be excited about it. That was good. I am. <laughs> okay. All right, our top two, and uh, anyone's been playing it at home, there is at least one band we haven't mentioned yet, which I'm going to mention right now. Right meow. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, right meow. <laughs> uh, it's a band we've both seen. I don't think we we've never saw them together. No, we've seen them live, but not at the same yes. time. I'm, if it's the band, I'm assuming. As as you mentioned. Uh, you've seen Chris Cornell three times live. Yeah. I've seen him twice live, both actually with Soundgarden. And they put on a hell of a show. They definitely put on a hell of a show. They are one of my all-time favorite rock bands, period. Um, and for the longest time, I thought Pearl Jam was my favorite. But like over the past probably five years, Soundgarden really kind of took that over as one of my favorite, just probably my, probably my favorite grunge band as it is. Um, and they are just fantastic. They're my number two favorite song of all, of favorite grunge song of all time. And it's a song that is, I don't think it was one of their big hits, but it was probably a single. Um, and it's from their Super Unknown album, which is... I bet a, I could guess it. You probably could. I just want to talk about Super Unknown real quick, though. And that's, we well, maybe not too much, because I, that's, a, that's an album I would love us to get to, because that's a, that's an album that... Like it's one I put on, and I just like I, I want to like lay down, and I just I soak in Super Unknown because it's so mm-hmm. fucking good. Every single song, every every little piece of music that comes out of it, every vocal note that comes out of Chris Cornell's voice mm-hmm. is perfect on that album. So um, you probably already know it, but yeah, if you want to take a guess, I'm gonna guess "Fell on Black." Fell Days. on Black Days, exactly. Fell on Black Days is my. Number two favorite grunge song of all time, and definitely my favorite Soundgarden song of all time. not one of like their most rocking songs like they have they have some hard songs and like i don't know this one kicks into it, ki- it, a it does bit. kick it but it's not it's not like i don't know some of their other stuff but like this whatever it is about this song mm-hmm. like it just it's one I, I soak myself into yeah uh, i love i love that it goes from you know very melodic singing mm-hmm. and then how would i know that this could be my shut up john don't laugh at my fucking singing Fuck you, but like you get you get. I'm not laughing at your singing. I'm laughing at the, how animated you were. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I do like when I sing and stuff. I do big air drums. Like you're kind of like <laughs> honestly, you're kind of like a muppet. Yeah, <laughs> Fine, whatever. But 
one of the greatest things about Chris Cornell, and this song doesn't even hit the the biggest amount of his range. Mm-hmm. Chris Cornell's got a great range and great rock voice. Mm-hmm. And this song, you know, isn't isn't their best with that, but like he definitely he's got a great screaming voice. Mm-hmm. He's got a great like high pitched like high very, voice. He's got a high tenor. Uh, yes, very high range. And then he can be very melodic. At the yes. same, like he can hit all of those three different things, which. This song, I think, shows a, a good bit of that. Yes, so. I agree. I actually remember being in college and uh, riding with, uh, around with a buddy of mine, and that song came on the radio. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, there were still there were still radio stations playing grunge. This would have been the early two thousands, yeah. talking like you know two thousand two, two thousand three at, at least or whatever. And we were, and this song came on, and I'm listening to it, and I looked at him because we were both music majors at the time, and I said, you know. Only Chris Cornell could write a song in 6-4 and it'd be a hit. And he, he looked at me and listened to the song and he goes, holy shit, you're right. <laughs> so like, if you know anything about music, most songs are in four. You know, one, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. This one, not the chorus. I think the chorus is in four. Mm-hmm. But the verses are in six. So if you if you count it, um, it'll, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six. Bong. So it's count it's in cycles of six. And you could count that you could say that it's in four plus two or there's all kinds of things, but it's essentially it's in six. Mm-hmm. Every six beats the cycle starts again. And it doesn't feel like it. It grooves so well that you don't notice that it's not in four. Mm-hmm. And that's what that's what I think is the brilliance of this band. Not just not just Cornell, who is who's a brilliant uh, lyricist and, mm-hmm. and songwriter and but just Gone too uh, soon. Oh jeez. You don't make me cry. Yeah. Uh, but just the that whole band, the creativity that's that came out of that group was is was amazing. Alright, so my number two is from a band you've already mentioned, mm-hmm. and you've already mentioned this song. However, you listed two songs from this band, and you went with the other one. Uh. I went with the one you didn't play, and I went with the song Wood uh. by Alice in the Chains. <laughs> okay. This song has everything. <laughs> it has a really cool, simple but groovy bass line that starts us off. It the when the band comes in, it kind of has this sort of almost trippy, you know, sort of acid rock feel to it. Mm-hmm. You get both singers featuring on the song, Jerry Cantrell, you know, singing most of the of the verses, plus Lane Staley doing some real they Allison Chains does harmonies mm-hmm. well. 
You know, and then when you get to the chorus that kicks in and Lane takes over with this higher end, he's he's much more closer to the the Chris Cornell yes. side of stuff. And I think that's what made this band work so well, was you had these two singers in Jerry Cantrell and Lane Staley who could complement each other. Mm-hmm. It's kinda I kinda think of it like Lincoln Park. Mm, okay. You have those you had you had Chester Bennington and yeah. Mike Shinoda, yeah, who complemented each other in how they sang their songs. And it worked really well, I think, for them. Yeah. And this is sort of like the early version of that. Cool. It's a good choice. Yeah, I like wood a lot. I love wood. Good good wood. <laughs> Nothing beats it. Uh, for those of you playing at home, if you've never heard the song or looking it up, it's W-O-U-L-D question mark. The question mark is in the song yeah, title. Yes. Make sure you put that in there. Yeah, great choice. Great choice. <laughs> All right, and all right. now the big one. The big one. Actually, before we do that, if that's all right with you, I want to just name off like some of my honorable mentions. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, so some st- ones that didn't make my list, I'm just throwing them out there. Um, so I already mentioned kind of Nirvana, Heart Shaped Box was yeah. one that didn't make my list. Good song. Uh, Dinosaur Juniors, Feel the Pain. Yes, that, that was also my honorable yep. mentions. Uh, Meat Puppets, Backwater. Yep, was one that also, also on my honorable mentions. And then one I I kind of just threw it on my list, but I never was going to make it was a uh, whole doll, doll parts. Eh. I'm not a big whole fan. No, maybe because I, I hate Courtney Love so much. Yes. I know I don't like that song either. I yeah. I, I think they probably I tolerated. I actually didn't mind the song Celebrity Skin. Oh yeah, yeah, Celebrity Skin was better. That was better. It was post grunge. It was yeah. a little bit more well produced. I don't really like the sound of her voice yeah. at all. So yeah, they didn't even make my honorable yeah. mentions yeah. list. So all right, fair enough. All right. Um, I also I also kind of had um, L Seven pretend that you're dead. Oh, yeah, yeah. On yeah. there. Um, yeah, I and I was, you know what I. I, I tried to find a Mud Honey song that I really want to put on there, but Mud Honey was just never a band I really got into. Yeah, I'm with you actually. So, number one, my number one. If you, I mean, I I know you can guess this song. Yeah, I fucking love this song, and this is probably my favorite song of the past thirty years. It's if you take my number two, Soundgarden, great band. Chris Cornell, amazing singer. Mm-hmm. And then you take my number four, Pearl Jam, and you like smash them together. And they're like, we're going to become one band. You get this band, Temple of the Dog. Mm-hmm. Really, mostly it's, you know, it's mostly the band that was Mother Love. Actually, Mother Love Bone, my number eight. And you kind of throw them in together and they're, they all tumble around and you just kind of like lottery ball out a couple people out of it. Right. <laughs> That's what Temple of the Dog is. They really were almost a super group. And the entire album is a fantastic album that they put out for Andrew Wood uh, and his passing. But their most popular song is their most popular song, in my opinion, for a reason, because it's so good. And you get two of the best rock vocalists, and particularly the best rock vocalists of the last you know 30 plus years, mm-hmm. in Chris Cornell, who in my opinion is the... Like he's right up there as one of the best rock vocalists, period, of all music. Mm-hmm. Eddie Vedder, great songwriter, and he's got like a he's so emotional with his stuff. Right. They're singing together. And then you get an amazing backing group behind them, and you get the band Temple of the Dog. And the song I'm talking about is just it's a song I don't I I, I can't stop listening to it once I started. It's so Good and if anybody knows it, you probably would. It is Hunger Strike. I don't mind 
From that that opening guitar riff, just it's mm-hmm. so good. From Eddie Vedder's voice at the start, and then when you come, when Chris Cornell comes in on top of him higher, it's just like holy shit! Everything blends perfectly in that song. It's a great song, and I, I've never had the affinity for the song that I know you have, mm-hmm. but I respect the song for what it is, and for the musicians who are on it because it is yeah. it is a great collaboration between amazing artists. Mm-hmm. And so, I'm sorry I don't have the same excitement for Zong. I'm stealing bread from the mouths of decadence. Ow! Yes! Fucking good song. <laughs> I, I, I sing Eddie Vedder, be, uh, you know, because I can't sing Cornell. I can't, yeah. I can't pretend. No. Yeah. So, no. That is, I'm not shocked that it is your number one, yeah. and it is a good choice. Okay. So, there's Le- one band left for you. I can yes. guess the band. I don't think I can guess the song, though. Probably not. Yeah. Um... I love this band so much. Um, obviously, the only one I haven't really mentioned is Soundgarden. Mm-hmm. Soundgarden's been one of my favorite bands um, of all time. I, I saw Soundgarden live twice. I saw them once right before they broke up the first time. So way back in like 97. Mm-hmm. And then I saw them again when they did their reunion tour when they toured with Nine Inch Nails. Which I actually I saw that. You saw that like in Vegas. I saw that leg in Colorado. Yeah. Uh, great. great. And, and I will say... That was that was a fun concert. One because Soundgarden for, started it off, and they did. They were a great live band. Like mm-hmm. when you were thinking, like a, when you want a good rock band, Soundgarden killed it. Yeah. And so they did. They were definitely a better musicianship with live music. And then you got Nine Inch Nails, totally different sound. Yeah. Trent Reznor. I mean, it's just Trent Reznor. It's everyone else in Nine Inch Nails. It doesn't. They're, they're, it's nobody. It is Trent Reznor. Right. And so he. His turn. The second half of that concert was a very out there, trippy, electronic, crazy thing, which I enjoyed for two different aspects. I right. wouldn't say I liked the Nine Inch Nails better. It was a bigger spectacle, that's for sure, because yeah. there was a lot of laser lights and you know a lot of <laughs> shit. And in Colorado, they were <clears throat> doing a lot of that. Not me, but them. <laughs> uh, so maybe I had some contact right. on that. But so there was a lot of spectacle of that. But like, but the live rock of Soundgarden was fantastic. Yeah. No, and I saw that same concert, and had the the same kind of reaction, and it was it was like two different shows. So the song I picked because I love them so much, the song I picked is a complete deep cut off mm. of an album that probably most people it would not make their top three favorite Soundgarden albums. Who? <laughs> so oh man, I, can I guess? I want to get. I can at least guess the album. You can guess the album. I'll just probably run through them. It's not going to be King Animal. I'm not going to just... No. Not that. It's going to be one of their old ones. So if, if I'm going to guess... I'm going to start by thinking my top three. My top three uh, albums are Super Unknown. And then... I'll just say this. Hardcore fans yeah. probably wouldn't list this one as their top three favorite. Okay. All right. Super Unknown. Bad Motor Finger. And then maybe Louder Than Love. 
I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. All right. I can't think of it. Tell me. Okay. It's actually off of their last studio album they made before they broke up the first time, which was Down on the Upside. Oh, Down on the Upside. Yes. Okay. Which was, is, is considered, it's funny. It's one of those ones where it was considered by hardcore fans and, you know, by some critics as being not a good album, but it's a great album. Um, I don't think it gets the respect it deserves. And this one became my favorite because, okay, so Super Unknown is what introduced me to Soundgarden. Mm. Down on the Upside was the album that came out when I was already a fan. And I I headlong deep dove into this album for a long time. I listened to this thing so hard. I knew all the words to all the songs. I could play most of the songs, at least up to my technical proficiency. Mm-hmm. And I've always loved this album. And it, it gets a lot of shit, and I don't think it deserves to. And honestly, and this is going to be controversial, this is my favorite album from Soundgarden. Interesting. Super Unknown would be number two. Okay, that's fine. Because there's, that is also a great album. And, the only, and it, if you are a fan of Super Unknown and have never listened to this one, it's not going to sound the same. Yeah. It's going to sound similar, but it's not going to sound the same. And you probably won't like it, but... Because I kind of deep dove into the album for so long, I you know you get to know the songs, mm-hmm. and so my number one song is it was not even a radio hit off of this one. They had a couple. They had Pretty Noose mm-hmm. yeah. was one. Blow up the outside world was another one. And Burden in My Hand was probably the biggest one yeah. that they had off of this album. Uh, by the way, and if you don't know this, find this album and find the song Ty Cobb. It's a fun little song. That's a great little song. <laughs> it's a it's a nice little sweet little melody for you. Yes. There's mandolins in the song, <laughs> if that tells you anything. But my number one is actually the song Zero Chance off of that album. It's it's not a it's not a, a particularly heavy song. It's not a particularly fast song. It's just a song I've always loved. I like that. Uh, I, that's not a song I recognize. In my head, I'm like, that's not better than Hunger Strike. Like for me, but like, so I, I what what connects you to that song so okay, much? Okay, so this song appeals to the music nerd in me. Okay, it's completely in mixed meter. What does that mean? Mixed meter means it's not a consistent. Uh, mixed meter would mean so meter refers to time signature. Uh huh. So that's like four four. 
three, four. Those are the two most common ones, six, eight. You know, one, two, three, uh-huh. four, or one, two, three, one, two, three. A waltz. Or waltz. Yeah. Six, eight is sort of like three, four, but with the emphasis on the on every uh-huh. third one. So one, two, three, four, five, six. One, two, three, four, five, six. So it's like a triplet feel. Okay. It's like two in a triplet feel. This one jumps around from like 11, eight to 10, eight to four, four to huh. three, four. Like it, it jumps around. It's technically a hard song to play. I don't know if they've ever played the song live. Mm. It's kind of like some of the later Beatles songs that they made that they never intended to play live because it was too hard to actually play live. Mm -hmm. And they use, I'm not going to say jazz chords, but sort of jazz inspired Mm. chords. They don't use typical chords for this one. And they make the whole thing sound and flow like a regular song. You, if you listen to it, yeah, it feels weird. That sort of bum, bum, bum. And then it slows down. You can hear the ride cymbal kind of mm-hmm. keeping a, a, a simple beat because you need it. Because it's not in 4-4. Four, four. Mm-hmm. And so that appealed to the music nerd in me. So the technical aspect of that appeal to me then if you add on chris cornell takes this song and adds a beautiful melody on top of it Mm -hmm. and some pretty profound lyrics i mean there's the part where he's like why doesn't anyone believe in loneliness i mean he was a pretty dark guy yeah um and like i said yeah you know it's it's not a radio hit i mean i love the radio hits yeah Black Hole Sun is still one of my favorite songs to listen to. Okay, so, so First of so, all, it's a great video. <laughs> it's a freaky video. It is a freaky video. For me, Black Hole Sun is probably my most... I love Soundgarden. My most overrated Soundgarden Overrated? Song. Okay. I, don't, I, don't, I mean, I, I, I like the song as yeah. long as it's surrounded by better Soundgarden songs for me. Yes. But I get it. I get, that, was, that was definitely their biggest hit. Yeah, for sure. There was, that was the one that kind of put them on everyone everyone's yeah. radar. Yes. But the, like it's you know this is just one of those deep it's one of those deep cut songs that I fell in love with after I kind of you know learned to play it and you learn and 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 this goes along with a lot of aspects of art in all forms um, the most obvious one I can I can uh, I can ex- I can cite examples of is classical music the closer to the present we got the more stranger and dissonant classical music became. Everyone think when you think classical music, you think Mozart, yeah. Beethoven, but then you get to ones like Wagner. You know, if you don't know Wagner, yeah. think you know, think Kill the Wabbit, bum bum bum, right of the Valkyries, or, right, yeah, right of the Valkyries. That's closer to the 20th century. Then they start to because they start to add dissonance and add sort of thing. So by the time you get to the mid 20th century, and you have guys like Schoenberg, who if you go listen to Schoenberg, who who Schoenberg. very famous in classical okay ones. Yeah. nerd yes pretty much <laughs> if you go find any of his stuff uh you will listen to it and be like how did anyone listen to this first of all why did anyone play this <laughs> like it just does it does not sound like music because musicians because it, because music is played by musicians and musicians want to be challenged and musicians want to grow and uh, i guarantee you 
if you go see a symphony orchestra play Beethoven's Fifth, most of those guys are fucking sick of playing Beethoven's <laughs> Fifth because that's what everyone wants to hear. They want to hear the hits. Mm-hmm. No one wants to hear the unusual stuff. And that sort of music, sort of high technical music, is more important and appreciated by the musicians actually performing it than it is by the sort of layman audience. You know, I can go to one of those and I can watch someone perform and it will sound like just random notes. It's literally what it will sound like. But I watch them and I can appreciate what it is they're doing and what it took to get to that point. And so I can appreciate the music for what it is only because I've studied that kind of music and I've studied, you know, I've studied the instrument, I studied my instrument to the point where I understand why someone would play something that just sounds like noise and doesn't sound like music. I will say, except for modern saxophone, modern classical saxophone music, which we jokingly called beep snort music, (laughs) because that's what it sounded like. Uh, even though I appreciate what it takes to actually play that music, I can't stand listening to it. That's so. This one appealed to that nerd in me. It okay. appealed to the music nerd in me, and I, it's always been something I've appreciated because it it shows me their technical prowess. Um, there's another great song off of that album called "Never the Machine Forever," which is in nine eight. And nine eight typically. You, you would think of it in terms of, if you're kind of dividing numbers, you would think of it as, as in three sets of three. One, two, three, two, two, or like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Bum, 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 bum. So you can think of it like three, four, but each one is a triple. Uh-huh. Okay. But they don't do that. They do this like four, four, but the last one is extra. So it's like one, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. One. So that last mm. four has like a hiccup in it. Huh. So this album is sort of like, their their sort of modern classical version. It's them showing off their technical prowess. Okay. And I think that's what appealed to this album, the song and that album to me the most. Okay. <laughs> Nerd. But I can appreciate that. Okay. That's uh, cool. All right. Well, that was our top 10 grunge songs. Hope you guys enjoyed that. We are now going to do our band casting. And similar enough with our top 10 we're going to go kind of back and forth with instruments. Now, every band can be a little bit different. Right. You know, like I've got uh, a flautist in mine. Um, <laughs> I don't. That was a joke. <laughs> Sounds <laughs> like Jethro Tull. Yeah, Jethro Tull style. Yeah, my, my cowbell, I particularly put Will Ferrell as cowbell for my grunge band. Uh, no, but, well, you know, we're going to go through our main. I'll say we'll do drums. Well, bass. first of all, how many people do you have in I your have list? five. Oh, because I only have four. You have four. Okay. I've got five. Okay. We'll do, yeah, we'll do, let's do, we'll do bass, we'll do drums, bass, lead guitar, and then singers. And I, mine, I, I've got two singers in mind. Okay. <laughs> okay. So I only put one singer. Okay. So. Because my lead singer also plays guitar in the band. Gotcha. So yeah, I, yeah. I counted him as the well, rhythm I have guitar. two rhythm guitars okay. and two lead singers. They're okay. both rhythm guitarists and they're both lead singers. Okay. Yeah. Because it happened. Allison Chains had two singers. Tumble the Dog had two singers, only in that one song though, but uh, <laughs> it happens. Allison yes. Chains is one of the big. Okay, yeah. so we'll start with drums. Okay. I'm going to let you start. Okay. I wanted to, originally when I was conceiving this, uh, I kind of wanted to vary it up and, you know, I didn't want to use too many people from the same band, but I ended up using two people from the same band and it, 
if you my indication of number one of who was my number one is going to be a lot of indication <laughs> of who's in my band. Uh-huh. Um, however, for drummer, I originally was thinking Dave Grohl. Mm-hmm. You know, because I mean, he's when he's you think a, when you think grunge drummer, grunge drummers, Dave Grohl's number one. He's number one. But I fell in love with Matt Cameron's drumming. Matt Cameron's a drummer from Soundgarden. And honestly, that might be a big part of what drew me to Soundgarden, was watching him drum. He's actually now the drummer for Pearl Jam mm-hmm. and has been for like the last 20-something years. Yeah. Um, and has toured with them and stuff. Pretty much once Soundgarden broke up, yes. he, they, they needed a drummer and he just shifted over to Yes, Pearl and Jam. he's been with them ever since. Yes. And he's honestly, yeah, he's been with Pearl Jam, or Pearl Jam longer than he ever was with Soundgarden. Soundgarden, right. The, the choices he makes... Oh, but, sorry, but I do want to say, once Soundgarden got back together for you, he did go back and join them, which was... He did. Awesome. For, for not every concert. No, but the tour that you and I saw, he was not the drummer no, on that. That was, he, not, yeah. that was he Actually, it was a guy named Matt Chamberlain, who was also a very good drummer. Yeah, yeah. He's also a very good drummer in his own right. But I've always been in love with Matt Cameron's playing, and there was no way I wasn't going to put him in my, you know, in my super, my grunge yeah. super group. So he's my drummer. That's a good choice. Um, yeah, he's he's not the number one drummer that people think of. People think of Dave Grohl, and I wanted to go with a drummer who has proven himself in not one but two bands. I went with Matt Cameron okay. as well. Because he's in two of my favorite rock bands, period, which is Soundgarden and Pearl Jam. I just, I had to go with Matt Cameron. Yeah. He's so fucking good. He's so good. And, I mean, listen to the, what he throws in there. Mm-hmm. He's he's just, it, it's tasty. Tasty is the best <laughs> word I can use. It's tasty. It's that just, sounds... the licks, they're tasty. I don't want you to ever do that again <laughs> in my presence. Uh, okay, let's go to bass. Okay. This one, I'm... I've, I've always kind of made mention of myself as being a drummer, but one thing I've never really said is I actually played almost as much bass yeah. in my life as I did drums, especially in and around high school and college, yeah. mostly because nobody played bass, mm-hmm. and everyone needed a bass player. And so I would always find gigs yeah. with bands because they needed no, so a bass player. When I think of you, I mean, yeah, your classical training is in percussion, Yes, but when I think of you like in your high school Rock bands, yes. you're always playing bass. Yes, and that was largely because nobody else either wanted to play bass or mm-hmm. played bass. And I tell you what, uh, if you want a gig, learn to play bass. Yeah, because <laughs> everyone needs a bass player, and bass is a lot of fun. With that in mind, I went with someone who came up with one of the most fun and interesting bass licks of uh, any of the songs who were mentioned, and this song was mentioned in our list, and that was the song Jeremy. I went with Jeff Ament uh. from Pearl Jam. Yeah, he's a creative bass player, and I always really liked what he did. Jeff Ament is a great, great choice, and he is super versatile, and he d- brings a lot of different stuff. Um, and I, I wasn't sure if we were going to go the same. Jeff Ament was almost my choice. I actually I picked him first, and I was like, all right, I'm happy with that. And then I went back and listened to a couple other songs, and I was just like, oh shit, I think I'm going to go with this other guy. So I we almost have the same. Uh, rhythm section <laughs> with bass and drums, but I just shifted it almost at the last minute, and I'm still very, very happy with my choice. I don't know if a lot of people think of STP as you know, I don't know, like the biggest I don't know bass band, but right. but they when you go and listen to some of their songs, they have got so many good licks on yeah. bass that like either start a song or kind of like are grooving it, grooving yeah. a song really well, and they've got some kind of cool funk additions to it with their bass. And their bassist is Robert DeLeo, yeah. fantastic bassist. And so that's who I ended up going. Because just the more and more STP that I was listening to, I was just mm-hmm. like, 
oh, fuck, that's a good line. Yeah. I want that bass line. Yeah, no, a lot of people don't don't think about this, but I think Robert DeLeo was probably one of the big driving creative forces in that band. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was he was the one who put the band together. Okay. It was, it was him and his brother. Yes, yeah. And uh, I, I kind of always saw him as sort of he was the band leader. You know, okay. Scott Weiland was the out front guy. And yes, he wrote a lot of, of lyrics and, and probably some of the songs, but Robert DeLeo was definitely one of the big you know creative forces in that band. Yeah. And probably what kept the band together a lot of the times. <laughs> uh, so that is, no, I that's a great choice. He's a great bass player. All right. Uh, so we'll do, we'll then we'll do our lead guitar uh, and then we'll do both singers. I'll, let me start with lead guitar. Okay. <laughs> Honestly, if I wanted three vocalists, I could. <laughs> but this guitarist fucking whales mm-hmm. he is so strong on lead guitar and i almost wanted to go with uh, a guy from pearl jam who i really really like uh mike mccready who is really really fucking good actually their other guitarist stone gossard's really good too but i didn't end up going with them when you listen to like a good strong hard rock band allison chains is an amazing band and jerry cantrell is so good his holy shit yes. the like some of the solos that that are in uh allison changes stuff and just like even they're just the regular guitar stuff that he does is incredible and he actually even can add an extra harmonizing voice if i wanted to or yes. whatever contrasting my lead guitar is jerry cantrell adam that's a great choice because i also yeah. love jerry cantrell okay. he's he's quite possibly the most uh, i don't want to say technical proficient because kim today hill from soundgarden is also very technically proficient yeah. uh, guitarist but he has that sort of that grunge style with that almost hair metal solo yeah. mentality um and he kind of you know he kind of looks at it almost you know, he's, yeah he kind of looks like yes he, he looks at um and I, in no small part, picked him because one, his solos are incredible. Yes. And two, he could act as a second singer <laughs> in my band. Yeah, third singer for me. Okay. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, that's no dispute in that because okay. Jerry Cantrell would 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 be the tops in that. Okay. One. Cool. Uh, do you wanna do you wanna say our same lead singer? <laughs> I'm or? assuming we're having the same lead singer. Yeah. If we're talking about it. Um, <laughs> And I think we're, we're we have very similar bands. I know we do. We're going to have at least yeah three of the same. Yes, um, I think this guy would complement Jerry Cantrell singing very well, the same way that Lane Staley did. Uh-huh. And I don't know if they ever sang together, but if someone did, and it was recorded, and someone knows about us, please hit us up on social media or email us because yeah. I want to hear that. Um, I'm guessing you went with. Chris Cornell. He is on. He is one of my lead singers. Yes, he's my my main lead singer. Yeah, I mean his his voice sounds like no other. Yeah, his range, his tone, his oh, just the just the way he crafts mm-hmm. the way he crafts his voice. There's never going to be another singer like Chris Cornell, and there has never been one before him. And you can pick it out of a crowd. Yeah. You could pick it. Up, you could probably pick it out of a choir. You yeah. could have a choir of a hundred people, and I could still. Oh, there's, there's Cornell right there. <laughs> I think he's. I think he's the obvious choice. Yeah, he is absolutely. He is the best vocalist of an, all of grunge. Uh, so he's definitely made my list. But I bet you can't guess my backup singer. And actually, it's not even my backup singer. I kind of 
the way I thought of my grunge band is like Bare Naked Ladies. <laughs> and it's like, you're going to have one song where Chris Cornell leads and this guy does some harmony. Then you're going to have another one where this guy leads and Chris Cornell will come on with some extra stuff. Mm-hmm. You want to guess? Well, there's, I mean, there's so many. I mean, you could have Scott Weiland. Yeah. He's a great singer. You have Eddie Vedder. I mean, it's already been proven that Eddie Vedder. And that was Chris my Cr- favorite song of all grunge. Yes. Um, I don't I, want you to guess it. I'm, I, I, okay. <laughs> okay. This guy... He didn't even really sing grunge. He sang post grunge. Okay. Maybe it was actually I would I would say their their first album was still pretty grungy. And that's because he was one of the best grunge drummers of all time. I would ah. take Dave Grohl okay. and put him where he belongs to be because Dave Grohl is a great drummer, but he is a one of the best frontmen oh, of is. current rock. He is. he is he is to me he's the modern rock god. Like Chris like Dave Grohl is an amazing musician. Yeah. He does he can he does that that first album was all him. He did everything. But he wouldn't need to in this kind of band. Right. But he's a mind that I wouldn't I don't want to say I wouldn't want to waste right. in drums, but his the the breakup of Nirvana was the best thing to happen to Dave Grohl in my opinion. It, it really because was. I I respect Dave Grohl way more than I ever did Kurt Cobain. I'm not gonna lie. I like Kurt Cobain just fine and I really respect Nirvana. Listen Nobody has done more to keep rock yeah. into sort of in any kind of mainstream than Foo Fighters, than yeah. Dave Grohl. I mean, in a time of boy bands, pop songs, <laughs> technica, dubstep, yeah. you know, in, in a time when all of these other styles, uh, hip hop, have, have really kind of become the favorite, where once it was rock, now it's these other styles... He's the one who's really keeping rock in there. Yeah. He's the one who's, you know, he'll he'll be like, hey, you know, don't forget us. So, yeah. And so I, I would shift him over. And so I would have basically a, a lead singer and rhythm guitar in Dave Grohl, a, my, my mostly main lead singer, secondary lead rhythm guitar in Chris Cornell, yeah. uh, my main guitar, Jerry Cantrell, who might add some vocals just for shits because yeah. he can. Uh, and then I would have Robert DeLeo as my bass and Matt Cameron as my drums. Okay. Um, on the one hand, I feel like it's kind of cheating, but I'm totally going to allow it because it sounds amazing. <laughs> that, 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 that's a hell of a band right there, that's baby. That's a hell of a band, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, I got a, I've got a more simple four-piece group, but I do have Chris Cornell taking lead. Jerry Cantrell and those two could oh yeah could trade off yeah, and yeah, stuff. Yeah. I mean they'd be very similar. I just added an extra Dave Grohl because it's like fuck it, that would be awesome. Um, I went with Jeff Amend on bass and of course Matt Cameron on drums, right. and they both sound. I uh, I want these albums to come out. Yeah, well it's not there's not too much contention on that one, John. Right. Was, we very similar, but that would be god damn that would be great. I mean if you honestly, I mean if you could do without Chris Cornell, your band could happen. Yeah, that would be that would be a hell of a band. Yeah. That would be really fun. I would like that. Because Grohl, Grohl can that. scream. Yeah. So, you know, if you put him and Cantrell together. Yeah, that'd be interesting. It could be an interesting thing. Yeah. Uh, I think you're going to be missing something with that high end. I agree. Like if, I was going to say, well, if you can't have Chris Cornell, maybe Scott Weiland. God damn it, he's not here either. Or Lane Staley. Well, of course, he's not here either. Yeah. So, yeah, those high end guys... That's you're missing that. Yeah, you're missing that sound. But yeah, they would still be a kick-ass band. Cool. I re- I really enjoyed doing this sort of top ten, and I think this is going to be a regular thing that we're going to do. Um, 
uh, we're, we're we're definitely going to keep doing our movie reviews because I feel like that's our bread and butter. Yeah, baby. That's the that's the thing that we enjoy doing the most, and and that. But these are, are they're fun. And but instead of just alternating between movie review or sort of media reviews, well, that's still not a good term. Movie and TV reviews yeah. and album reviews. We're gonna throw some top tens in there. So kind of for like for every month or so you'll get a couple movie reviews you'll get an album review and a top 10 and i think that'll help vary things up a little bit yeah. and if you like these please let us know we'd love feedback if this is something you're like you know what i think you guys should stick in your wheelhouse um <laughs> uh, then that's fine too but we need to, we you know we'd like to know what it is you think of this sort of thing exactly i mean you know we we set out to do a nostalgia based podcast and our first thing was movies and tv mm-hmm. but like a lot of this, a lot of stuff fits into nostalgia, right. and so we want to do top ten stuff. If you guys have ideas for top tens, yes. let us know as well. We would love to hear it because we want to we want to make some some kick ass lists and then debate you. And then when you give us something stupid, I'll tell you you're wrong and that my list is better than you. So <laughs> if if you want to be yelled at by me, please <laughs> let us know. Anyway, that is our top ten grunge music list and our fantasy grunge band. Uh, I was very happy with our choices because they're very similar choices, yes. mostly across the board. But yeah, all right. Before we go, I just want to mention that we are also now on Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com forward slash blastpasscast. And speaking of which, we have some new patrons that we want to give a shout out to. Uh, the always awesome Jody Sellers joined us as a Muppet Baby. Friend of the show and frequent guest, Corey Stevenson, joined us as a G.I. Joe. And the awesomely named Stephen Wilhelm also joined us as a G.I. Joe. Thank you so much, guys. Please join us next time for a Super Bowl-inspired episode as we review the 1994 film Little Giants, talk about the 80s and 90s Nickelodeon game show Double Dare, and we do our own fantasy football lineup. Don't forget you can find us on most social media at at BlastPastCast. That's at BlastPastCast. As well as Patreon.com forward slash BlastPastCast. So until next time, I'm John. I'm Adam. And thanks for joining us. See you next time.